This podcast is presented to you by Passion Church and their campus in Alexander City, Alabama. For more information, visit www.mypassion.church. Thank you for the opportunity tonight for me to share with you. I, I really, what I have in my heart tonight is the, we're, we're continuing the teaching on the uh, Tabernacle of David. And, uh, but the part that I want to minister on tonight in this is David's life parallels with Christ. We're going to be talking about the rejection that David went through and also his exaltation. And you say, well, <clears throat> Pastor Ron, how does that correlate with the Tabernacle of David? Well, last week, Kelly, she shared with you and, and laid some more groundwork on the Tabernacle of David and where we are now is that David has, I'm going to take you in the, where, where David is being trained, more or less, to really become the man that God wanted him to be in order that he might bring the tabernacle of David to Mount Zion. I mean the ark, I'm sorry. To bring the ark into the tabernacle of David at Mount Zion. This should give us all hope because in this particular teaching, if we want to become all that God has made available for us by bringing or wanting us to, uh, you know, he says, and of course it goes back to Amos, where he, will, he will rebuild the, the tabernacle of David. If, and, and that's what we're doing is we're actually allowing God to build his tabernacle you know, he said he would set up his tabernacle in us. And what we're actually doing is kind of in a form of becoming what David was when he was able to bring the presence of God to Zion, to Mount Zion. And what God wants out of our lives is that we, he wants us to become the man of God that David was in order that we can bring the presence of God not only into our lives but into the midst of the congregation to help Jesus build and establish the church because we are the church, amen? amen? We're the members of the body of Christ. So I, when I was sharing, Kelly and I were talking and bantering back and forth and there's so much is so good in this and I was sharing with her, I said, you know, and, and she was talking about, well, I think we're going to do this and we're going to do that and I thought, well, but this has got to be established in order that we might, it not only gives us hope, but we all are searching and seeking to be a man after God's own heart. And when we say a man after God's own heart, we're not just talking about men in general or, or, and leaving the ladies out because there's neither male nor female in Christ Jesus. And so what we want to share with you tonight is, and, I, and I'm really convinced of this, it's going to give us hope that we can become a man after God's own heart. If we're not already, we can be. And not only can we, but we can usher in the presence of God just as David went and got it. And we can do it through a life of praise. And, and that's what Kelly's going to be teaching on next Wednesday night of David bringing, because, uh, bringing, the, ark, or, uh, bringing the, the Ark of the Covenant into. But what we're going to talk about tonight is becoming the man of God or the person of God to be able to handle the Ark 
and bringing it in. So this is why I've really felt like this was so important. So we're going to be talking about the rejection period on David and also the exaltation. And I'm not going to use a whole lot of scriptures tonight. There's, there's just so many. But I really, I basically just want you to follow along with me. And I'm going to be doing some reading tonight. David is first seen in the role of a shepherd of Bethlehem, Judea. And I want you to remember that. It's so important that we understand where David come from. He's from Bethlehem, Judea. It's important that we know that because we're, he, we're, we're paralleling, paralleling David's life with the life of Christ. And so it says, With the collapse of King Saul's obedience into rebellion, God called the prophet Samuel to go and anoint the shepherd boy, David, to be king in God's anointed time. His name, by the way, interpreted David, is Beloved. Samuel called all of Jesse's sons and all passed before him, and they, are un and they were unaccepted of the Lord for kingship. Finally, David is brought in from keeping the sheep. I'm, I'm reading this because I want, I, want us to, I want to kind of paint a picture as to why David is becoming this, this man. He's starting out as a shepherd boy. And regardless of where you are and where you, there is a starting point with God. That starting point, I feel like, is when we receive Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. David is anointed at this time. And it says here, David, uh, finally David is brought in from keeping the sheep. The Lord commanded Samuel to anoint him for the high and holy office. The Spirit of the Lord sealed this anointing by coming upon David from that day forward. As I shared with you a while ago, we're, we, I want for us to be able to realize that we can pattern our life after this because David is a pattern of the life of Christ. And not only do we pattern our life after the life of Christ, but we'll see and you'll see significance in your life that's going to parallel with David's life to encourage you that if God did it for David, he can do it with us. Because God's not looking for perfection. David was a man of imperfection. But what he is looking for is somebody whose heart will pant for God. And that's what we're going to begin to see tonight and through his rejection that he had to go through. The Spirit of the Lord sealed that anointing by coming upon David from that day forward. However, the Spirit of the Lord departed from King Saul, and an evil spirit touched him. Little did David realize then that the way to the throne would be by way of the valley of humiliation and rejection. Now, this is so important for you and I because we're seeking to become a, the kings and priests of God. Amen? That's, you know, he, he says in the Bible that you're, you're kings, you're priests. After the order of Melchizedek, and, you know, we're a royal priest, a priesthood. And, but in order to, to obtain this, this kind of relationship that can usher in the presence or bring the presence of God, there has to become a maturity in our lives. So we first we get saved. Amen? That's the first beginning stage. We become born again. And then we see here that it says, Little did David realize then that the way to the throne would be by the way of humiliation and rejection. And you and I, as we get, as we, when we become born again, it seems like it's not long after that. Boy, it, to me, what happened to me was glory was just everything hit the fan. My life trying to live for Jesus Christ, I thought, my Lord, life was a whole lot easier than this. 
before I got saved. But God wanted to make a man of God out of me. And there was a process. And this is what's taking place in David's life. With the praise given to David over the conquering of Goliath. Now, we're just going to move right on where David has been, uh, he's been anointed by Samuel. And now we find that David's going to go and fight Goliath. And y'all know the story already. And King Saul became exceedingly jealous of, of King David. And when the evil spirit troubled him, David began to play the heart. Now, this is so important because God now has not only used him to, con to, to conquer and, to, and to, uh, to destroy, but he was also in a battle. Have you ever been in a battle when you were fighting your Goliath? But we read in the story how he fought his Goliath. Amen. He fought him. He fought him with his words. You know, we realize, we read in where he talks about how he, he said, you know, you come with me in a, a spear and a sword or whatever, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. And he, he began to tell him, you know, I'm going to do this to you. And with God's power and the help of the, of the army of the Israel, we're going to take you out, in other words. In other words, he began to realize that he... If that not only is he now anointed by Saul, and then in, and and there's an anointing. I mean, uh, uh, anointed by Samuel. He's not only anointed, but he's recognizing that anointing. It's imperative that you and I recognize the anointing on our lives. And I believe all of us, when we get saved, we get Jesus in our lives. Jesus is the anointing. And we got to begin to learn. This is part of learning how to bring the tabernacle or the ark, I mean, into, into relationship in your life that you can be all that God is in, in, inquiring of you to be or requiring of us to be. And, and when David got anointed, you, he began, I believe, that he really began to realize where this anointing causes me to start speaking these things. And to start calling forth, and as we sing the song, you know, I will, we will believe in the, in the, we will believe the word of the Lord, and uh, and and it's so powerful that that teaching's already been taught. Pastor Sandy and Bruce and uh, Pastor Bruce and, and Kelly, I think, and different ones have taught on speaking the word of God, and so we see that in in King David's life. So see, and then now we see where King Saul has become uh, has become jealous. And when the spirit, that evil spirit came on him, he asked David to begin to play the harp. Saul threw the javelin. Would you say javelin? Yeah. Saul threw the javelin at David. And David escaped with his life on several occasions. Would you say that uh, there's a period of uh, rejection here? I mean, man, when somebody's throwing a, a javelin or a knife at you, you know, why? Because there's jealousy. Have you ever felt like there's been jealousy in the home or in the camp? Yeah. Among the group of believers? <laughs> a little bit of jealousy comes into place. They want to criticize you or whatever. Have you ever been criticized for your faith or your walk with God? <laughs> I know I have. Then it says here, Saul feared the wise behavior of this young man. But he did not then realize that this same man would in due time replace him in the throne. Saul's envy and jealousy caused him to seek to murder David. I believe that not only did he want to murder him, but he just wanted to take away everything that was hindering Saul from being able to reign 
in not only as a king, but reign with the people liking him. And instead, they were singing greater shouts about David than they were Saul. You know, David's got his, David's got his tens of thousands and Saul's got his thousands or has killed his thousands. David fled to the wilderness and caves of Judea, where those in distress and in debt and discontented, they gathered themselves unto him, and he became a captain over them. This was David's army. Isn't it, isn't it uh, to me, it's quite amazing, is that here's a man who now is running for his life, but he's anointed. And you and I, there's times after we receive Christ as our personal Savior, and we know that the anointing is living within us, and we're trying to live this Christian life, it seems like, to me, what happened to me was everything just kind of came at me. The whole, it just seemed like everything, and, and the same thing is happening to Saul. But the reason it is, is God is maturing him. God is bringing him to the right place. He's bringing him to bring, to bring forth a relationship so that he has this heart. And it's during this time... And if you read in, uh, in, uh, about David, it's during these times, Pastor, that he's actually seeking God. You know, he's going to Abathar and saying, you know, uh, bring the ephod and let's, let's inquire of the Lord. What do we do? And it's during these times that, that we do inquire of God. It's during these times of, of hardship. It's during these times. That's when we're actually being brought into the presence of God. God's kind of like opening himself up and saying, come on in and sit with me. Come in and Feast with me. Come on and eat with me, and, and, I, and I'll lighten your load in this thing. And we see that what happened with David. <clears throat> David became a fugitive, hunted by King Saul and his men. He experienced a period of humiliation and rejection. Hunted by King Saul, David escaped with his life on several occasions by the mercy and mind of God through Abathar, the priest, with the ephod. Throughout this period, though, David twice had the opportunity to slay King Saul. I really love this because, you see, David knew that he was not to touch God's anointing. He knew he wasn't to touch. And, and I, when I was reading this, I felt like I wanted to share this with the congregation. In your walk with God, there's going to be times when you may not agree with the person that's in charge, especially in ministry. But when you, if you really want to grow, it's when you say, I will agree to disagree, but I'm going to work with them anyway. I'm going to go along with what they're doing because God has them in that authority. We don't always, you don't have to, you don't have to, uh, you've got to love the person. You don't have to like them, or that, but you've got to honor that office. You've got to honor that office. And it doesn't matter whether it's a president or somebody in the, in the White House or in, the, in Congress or Senate. There's some of them I don't care for, but I've got to honor their office. You hear, are you hearing me? We have to do that in the body of Christ. And the only way... The thing that, 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 that caused David to stand apart was the fact that he was able to have enough love, honor, and respect for even the man of God that no longer has the anointing on him. Come on. And he knows it's not on him. 
But he knows there was a time, though, when God did choose him, and God did anoint him with oil. Samuel anointed him with oil. Even in this type of ministry, and I can say this with Pastor Bruce and Pastor Sandy, and, and, and we know, because we know how, in our workings together for how many years now? Eight? No, no, not eight? How many, year, how, many, how many years have we been here? <laughs> I, don't, I just know it's been a lot, but it does. But I've not always agreed with them. And they've not always agreed with Kelly and I. But there's been, that, there's been that spirit that says, but come let us reason together and let us cooperate and let us... And listen, one of the greatest, one of the greatest signs of ma spiritual maturity is learning to cooperate beyond your own understanding. I want to say that again. I want you to really hear that. Because this is one of the things that if, as we grow into becoming this person of God and we're getting a greater understanding of the, of the tabernacle of David, we, this is what's part about this teaching. It's just going to grow us together to begin. And listen, because the, and the more we grow, listen, <coughs> the bigger this thing gets, the tougher it is. It's like building a business. The bigger your business gets, the more the responsibility the greater the decisions, the, the, the greater the demand on the right decision. And the more people you have to begin to put into place in order that, it, the, that, that everything may run smoothly. And so the, the, the bigger the church, the larger we become, the more things are going to be coming at us. And it's imperative that we come to the place where we, we can say, well, I, I don't agree, but it doesn't matter. I must do my part and follow the authority of that which has been placed before me. Because listen, how can you love God whom you haven't seen if you can't love man whom you have seen? And this is what David is teaching us here tonight. He would not touch God's anointing. Even though the anointing wasn't on Saul anymore, he still said, but he was a man of an anointed, the being anointed of God. And I won't touch that which was God had his anointing on. Our pastors will make decisions that you may not agree with, but it's not a matter of whether or not we agree. It's whether or not we're willing to go ahead and run with them and believe that they're following and hearing the voice of God even when we don't. We have to do that. And David was a man that did. Listen, David, I don't know about you, but David was sitting in there in Saul's presence strumming along on his harpsichord and creating a sweet, sweet spirit, trying to, when, when the man who had rule and authority over David was about to kill him or trying to kill him. We may not agree, but we've got to agree enough to the point where we can say, but I'm willing to go on and work and follow through and let's do what needs to be done so that the, the will of God can be accomplished, not only in our lives, but as a corporate body, as a body, body members of the body of Christ. Okay, throughout this period, though David had the opportunity twice to slay King Saul, he manifested the right spirit that would not touch the Lord's anointed, even though King Saul had lost that anointing. In due time, Saul died for his transgressions in seeking a witch for divine counsel. Thus ended David's period of humiliation and rejection at the hands of Saul. And now... <clears throat> 
We've studied the, and it's just been a, I've just done a, like an over, overview, but that's the part about where David, what David had to go through. And if you'll study this for yourself, just the life of David, you'll understand there's a lot there that I need to bring into, into play that he actually had to constantly seek God. Do I do this? Do I go into battle? Do I do not? Do I, whatever. And he wasn't even a king. But he was a man that God put a, an anointing on and you know what attracts anointing? And this is what we also need to be reminded of. As a church that grows, and the anointing is on this church. Amen. It's on our pastors. Yes. And you know what you're going to attract? What the world says or relates to is those that are in debt. Those that sometimes that we just really would not rather they, that we had to set with them. Come on. They're not going to always smell just right. Hello. They may not wear what we think is appropriate in the beginning. Come on. What, what was gathered to David? The Bible says, I mean, yeah, the scripture says here, that that was gathered to David, were those who are in debt, discontented, distress. You know why I believe they were drawn to David? David was just a man that loved God. He just had a, he had to, listen, there was an anointing on his life. There was a love there. But not only was there a love there, there was a power and authority because this man's already the man. And we see that right in the very beginning. We see this. He went before Goliath and took him out. Now, we know God used David to do that. But man, David was a man's man. Are you hearing me? When you become more like Christ, you will become more of a God man or a God woman. And you will attract those that maybe that's, you may not really want to attract, but God wants them attracted, to be attracted to you so that we can minister to them. Amen. I know when we were pastoring at Life Changing Ministries, it seems like some of the people that kind of started coming to the church was like, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, give me love. Hello, give me love. And he did in order to be able to want to reach out to them. They came with all kinds of issues. And they're going to come here with all kinds of issues. David had them, but it grew him into be the man that God wanted him to be. It's going to grow us into be the people that we want to be. And I'm excited about that. Kind of throw it in everyday terms. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. And if God be for us, then who can be against us? So I've talked about a little bit about the period of, of David's um, rejection. Now I want to talk to you about his exaltation. <clears throat> the second stage was the period of exaltation. When the death of Saul, after 40 years reigning as the first king of Israel, the people seek David to be their king. They recognize that the anointing of God is upon him for this office. Thus David comes to the throne to begin a glorious reign over the whole nation. Those who had suffered with him, this is so good, those that had suffered with him in his growth time, we're talking about the ones that gathered around him that he became the captain over. We're talking about us here as the body of Christ with our pastors. Come on. Us. Those who had suffered with him, those who have suffered here that are going, and what is going, there's going to be suffering. There's going to be more suffering. There has to be suffering to bring about. There's, Jesus said, if you suffer with me, you reign with me. 
So there's going to be a suffering. But those that suffered with David in the wilderness, now that he's on the throne, experiences the glory of the Davidic kingdom. They got to enjoy the good things with David. He was able to do a whole lot more for him. He was able to bless these guys that came with him. And so we see now how David went from being just a shepherd boy, and now he's a king. He's rule. And this is where uh, next week Kelly's going to come in, and she's going to start taking you from where he's, where, where he's a king. But I want, I want to show you the period of rejection for Christ, and I want to show you how this parallels so much his life and our life does too. David's life parallels with Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Jesus, like David, was born in Bethlehem of Judea. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that neat how God just puts things right in order? There's no mistake about that. There was no mistake about that. God wanted that lineage to come out of a certain geometrical area. The older I get, the more I find out God's interested in the geometrics of things, the geometry of things. He's, he's into land, and I know he's into landscaping because I love landscaping. I know he's into nice homes because I like nice homes. And I know he's into uh, the beauty because I love the beach. But I know he's also, he likes to be away from the beach. <laughs> I told Kelly tonight on the way over, I, we kept seeing this house and we kept seeing the back of it. It's kind of close by around here. And I said, let's go by and look at that house. Now Kelly's got me looking at a house. I don't know if that's what that was, but anyway. Like David... Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea. He was anointed with the Holy Spirit in Jordan. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him in the midst of his brethren. Do you know that when Samuel anointed David, it says that David was anointed in the midst of his brethren. Jesus had the same thing happen to him. Isn't that neat? I mean, it may not mean anything to you, but I'm thinking, wow, this is so cool. I know when I received Jesus Christ as my personal Savior, I remember the first time that I was anointed and, 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 and um, brought into the ministry of, the, of preaching the gospel, I was anointed among the other brethren that was a part of the association. It was a unique experience. I'll never forget it. It was an awesome experience. I, I felt such a, I felt so, so small and minute in comparison to the guys that I was standing in the midst of that were laying their hands on me and anointing me because some of these men had been in the ministry for years. They were wise in their understanding and they were my counselors and my mentors. But I tell you what, what a humbling experience when you get anointed by God in the laying hands on by men that are men of God. There's just an, it's an awesome experience, isn't it? I know you all have had that happen to you. And I know Kelly had it happen to her as well. He was the, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him in the midst of his brethren. He was accepted and loved by the common people who recognized that anointing upon him. Remember the Bible, that, that, uh, it says about David, it says the people recognized the anointing on David and they wanted him as king. He was, the, speaking of Jesus, he was the good shepherd willing to wait, lay down his life for the sheep. David was a shepherd boy. Such a parallel in this. However, the religious leaders of his day, speaking of Jesus' day, the priests, the scribes, the Pharisees, Sadducees became envious and jealous of him. Thus turning the people against him, they represented the Saul system of his time. Did you understand that? The Pharisees and all that, they, the Sadducees, Pharisees, and the religious leaders were, 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 were trying to get the people to hate him just 
and, and to murder him just as David during the Saul's reign. Saul's people with Saul and Saul's people trying to kill, kill and get rid of David. Such a beautiful parallel here. They had lost, listen, they represented the Saul system of his time. They had lost, speaking of the Sadducees and the Pharisees, they had lost the anointing through the standing as the Lord's anointed. They soon began to throw the javelins of false accusations. Everybody say javelins. Yeah. Just speaking of this of Jesus. They began to throw the javelins of false accusations, hate, envy, and murder at him, at Jesus. In this period, Jesus gathered to himself disciples who were counted as the riffraff. Well, David had the riffraff that came up around him. But you know, Jesus used, you know, and some people say, well, he just had them old, them old fishermen, you know, man, they probably just stunk so bad, you know, he's out there in that old boat all the time, smelled like old fish. And then so what as they said about the, the tax collectors, well, he's just got them old, he's got them old crooked, crooked tax collectors, you know, that, that, that Matthew with him. They found fault with him. And don't you know that some of the people probably said the same thing about David? Well, golly, the bunch he's hanging with. Do you see those people? Half of them, man, they've, they've just, oh, their life is just a representation of, of nothing. But they hung with David, and David made men of war out of them. And you hang, and they, listen, these men that stayed with Jesus, those disciples, God made great men of them. And if you'll stay where you are on the course that you're going with Jesus Christ, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we are going to become, some of us, some of you have already become, but some of you are going to become even greater and greater and greater in the kingdom of God. And it's mandatory that we do. <clears throat> in due time, Christ was rejected and crucified at Calvary. And we see what Jesus went through. And we talked about the crucifixion. We're talking about that is because that's part of the humiliation and the rejection that Jesus had to go through. And then he died and hung on the cross. But you know what? After that, the Bible says that he now sits on the right hand of the Father. He's in, he's, he is the sitting on the throne. Amen? It's the same parallel with David, King David, as it is with Jesus Christ. All the way through. All the way through. And I thought it to be so unique was David, David and Jesus' life as I look back at my life, now I wasn't a shepherd, and many of you probably weren't shepherds. But when you receive Christ, you also received the anointing. And then when you receive that anointing, we all have received rejection and humiliation for trying to serve Christ. But there is a reigning, and you don't have to wait all your life until you die and get to heaven to see the reigning of being king. There is, a, there is a life today that Christ wants to bring us into in a relationship with Him that causes us to live as kings and priests. Because the Scripture says we're priests. But I, also, I love the part of there where it says we're a peculiar people. <laughs> the longer I'm married to Kelly, the more I realize I'm pretty peculiar. <laughs> hey, listen, I know how to make those brownie points, Kim. Got to do it. But for 36 years, I've learned and am learning that I am peculiar. But you see, as you walk with God, the more 
the more the stuff you go through and the more the things that you have to face, it's just building your character so that you can become that man or that woman of God. So we see the exaltation of Christ when he, it says, after his humiliation and death, God raised him from the dead to his own right hand, highly exalting him and giving him a name above every name. I love that. He is now seated in the Father's throne in glory, just as David got to sit in his, on his throne. The prophets foretold the sufferings of Christ and the glory that would follow. Those who suffer with him shall reign with him. It is, it is after his exaltation to the throne that he also begins to build his tabernacle. Listen to that. I will read that to you one more time. It's after his exaltation, speaking of God or Jesus, to the throne that he also begins to build his tabernacle, the church, that is called by his name. This is the true, the true tabernacle of David. It's us, the, us, the church. But isn't it so unique how those, how, how that, how that David's life represented the same type and shadow of Jesus Christ. And that's what David's life was. It's a foreshadow of things to come, of, of Christ Jesus. Now, thus Christ Jesus is the first shepherd, we see that, who after his anointing experiences the sufferings of the cross and then becomes the king enthroned in glory. He is the greater son of David, for he is the root and offspring of David. Now I want to do this Old Testament type versus the New Testament type. If you're taking notes, it's just something maybe to kind of, for you to just kind of write it down, and, and, and it might be good that you kind of go back to that from time to time as Kelly is bringing in, especially next week, her bringing in. She's going to be bringing the ark in. And this is, it's beautiful. The Old Testament type. David, Bethlehem, born in Bethlehem, Judea. He was a shepherd and he was anointed. David, king, Kingdom over Israel, he was enthroned king, and he was the builder of the tabernacle. Now we look at the life of Christ in the New Testament. Jesus, born in Bethlehem, Judea, he too was a shepherd, and he was anointed. His exaltation was king over all, enthroned, and builder of the church, or his tabernacle, which makes up us. Now in closing tonight, I want to bring out the similar pattern in the life of three men in the scriptures that we've gone over, or the, the story that we've told tonight. And I just, when I, when, I, when I was studying this, I never really realized it. And there's so much, when we, isn't it amazing when you start studying something? When you really get into it, it's just like God just opens up one thing and the next. And sees one thing, you look at something, you say, gosh, God, God, I never saw that before. And it was like he said, yeah, there's a whole lot in, in this that you have not seen yet. But he wants us to see. He's always going, we're going from glory to glory, amen? And that's so important. So in closing, I want to share this with you. Moses, everybody say Moses. Moses. First a shepherd, wasn't he? Then he was a king. He was a ruler over the, over the children of Israel. And he was the builder of the tabernacle of Moses. Isn't that neat? David, a shepherd, then king, and the builder of the tabernacle of David. But wasn't Moses also rejected and exalted? So was David. And then we see Jesus, the first shepherd, then a king, and the builder of the true tabernacle, the New Testament church.
yet he was rejected and he was exalted. And I just thought it was so neat how there's an old, then there's the, talking about the tabernacle of Moses, it's just the, it's the ritual. And you know, and, and if we're not careful in our relationship with God, and I say this in closing this, this evening, if we're not careful, we can fall back into just the emotions, just the going through of, of normality in our everyday life. We're just going through the emotions. <coughs> in the tabernacle of Moses, they went through the motions. You know, the, they had to go do all of these certain things in the tabernacle of Moses. But after a while, it was just, it was just even, we, we were learning that, that the, they were still doing it and there was no ark. There was no, there was no ark of the covenant when it was at Shiloh, or uh, at, uh, was it Shiloh, I believe it is? Well, actually, Gideon. Um, there was no ark there, but the, but, the, but the priests were still worshiping. They were going through the motions. And I see that sometimes in my life. Sometimes, you know, if we're, this is what the way I do it. Sometimes I get up, I get up in the morning, and I want to go, you know, first thing I want to do is I want to go get my shower, and I want to smell that coffee brewing, and I want to know that either I'm going to go get breakfast or there's breakfast in there. And man, I miss those breakfasts down there in Eclectic. I was patronizing them down there. But I, if I'm not careful, I'll get in there and I'll turn the shower on and just out of habit, out of formality, well, Lord, I'm in there scrubbing, washing my hair and all, but Lord, I thank you for this day and I just declare your word over this, that. And after a while, if I'm not careful, just because it's been something that I do, apart, it just becomes words. And I'm not even hearing what I'm saying, but because I've become a habit, it's just a ritual. We can, be, we can become the tabernacle of Moses, just rituality. We can become that too when we come to church. I've got to sit in my certain seat. As this church grows, you better be willing to go ahead and give it up now because they're going to come in and not know it's your seat. In the first attitude of your old order worship, your Moses tabernacle worship, it's going to, it's going to upset the apple cart. And they're going to recognize it on you, and they're going to say, well, I got friends out there that's a whole lot better off, a better attitude than they got, so I'm not going to come back. I call it, we get into a cycle, we get into a ritualism of the old, of the old tabernacle, the tabernacle of Moses. But you know, then there's this tabernacle of David, and Kelly's going to be talking about bringing that in next Wednesday night. But you know what? If we're not careful, we can get into the same format of the tabernacle of David, and we'll never accomplish to become engulfed into the true tabernacle of Jesus Christ. There'll be a hindrance. Because, and I've seen it, I've seen it happen in, in churches. Man, they can get into that worship thing. They can get into the worship. But once the music stops, there ain't no more worship in here. Are you hearing me? 
Because you can do this tabernacle. And David was the man of worship. And that's what God's saying. I want that kind of worship. But what we're wanting to do is bring you to the place of the tabernacle of David's worship in our lives. That it's not just a, it's not just a once on Sunday morning thing. It's a continual every minute, every moment, every hour of the day. Because as you mature in God and begin to grow and become all that he wants you to be. And he assigns. And listen, as he begins to develop their giftings and your callings, it's going to be imperative. I hope you're hearing this. It's imperative that you not just are the worshiper on Sunday morning or just on Wednesday night because it won't cut it for you. It will never allow you to be all that you need to be because that giant Goliath is going to approach you at 2 o'clock in the morning. And ain't nobody going to be there to be playing the music for you. David's not going to be there to play his little harp and move the troubled spirit. And this is what this teaching is all about. And that's why it's imperative tonight. That, and this is why I'm talking about this tonight in regards to David and in the parallel. Because we want our lives to parallel with Jesus himself. Every day of our life. And we're going to go through the humiliation and the rejection. But with, there is a kingship. There is, a, there is an anointing. There is a place in God that he wants you to sit on the throne. He said, I've made you to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And it's not just on Sunday morning or Wednesdays. Hallelujah. It's going to have to come to the place where every day, all day, you're walking out the principles and the anointing and the power of the Most High God in your life because there's going to be at the drop of a hat. All of a sudden, you're going to be somewhere, maybe in Walmart, and you're going to see a need, and God's going to say, lay hands, there's a healing coming. You put them on and say, listen, I may not know you, but brother, i got to pray. Wow, they receive their healing. That's what ushering in... The tabernacle of David's all about. Because it's not, that, that's what that is. When we get this in here, then it's there as they did with David. They worshiped 24 7. Amen. It's a 24 7. You say, well, that doesn't mean that you walk around, and I'm really, I need to close. It doesn't mean that you just walk around like, oh, hallelujah. You're in Walmart. Oh, hallelujah. Now, I tell you what, that's going to run some people off. But when you got that anointing of the humiliation and the, and the rejection that you have walked through and it's matured you in, there's going to become a power and authority in your life that just your presence will be as Peter and the very shadow will heal the people. Yeah. You don't have to open your mouth. Listen, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And when how they know is how much you care is when that anointing that you have been able to, to, to release and the fullness of God working in your life through this rejection, it empowers you. And when you become empowered, you don't have to open your mouth. You don't have to open your mouth. Listen, they're they going to ask you. They, I, listen, I had a man one time, uh, a couple, walked behind my dad in the Winn-Dixie store one day, just walked behind him. They didn't know who he was, but they was walking behind him. And finally, Dad turns around and says, can I help you all? And they said, all I know is there was a glow. And these people didn't know what it was. They said, it's a glow. But the anointing was on him. His years of humiliation, years of rejection, his years of saying, God, I just seek your face day in and day out. There was a power, an anointing, and authority. I remember one time we was going to a service and we were just visiting, and we come in, and we sat down, and all eyes were on us. And I thought, what in the world? Afterwards, the pastor came up and said, and was talking about our family, and, I, and they said, boy, there's just a the power of God on you all. 
Thank you for bringing that into the house. Hadn't been here for years. Whew. People are so hungry for you and I to manifest this power, this glory. And listen, praise helps to usher it in. As you're going through this time of rejection and humiliation, and you will, and you will until the day you die, I believe there's always a suffering and a moving forward with God. God's always trying to develop us to become better. But as that happens, what we do is that when it does happen, and you're being encountered, you've got, you got to have that thing like Kelly did. She had that little thing with her scripture on it that uh, Sister Smith made her here not too long ago, and, and we got it in the house. The big white board's gone, but your plaque is there. And you're going to have to have something that you can stand on and that you can read just as David when he faced his giant. You've got to say it as David did. I come to you in the name of the God of Israel. And, I'm, I, and, and all of a sudden you, he started speaking that word. And that's what you're going to have to do because these times will come. And they're going to be a part of our lives. And they are a part of our lives. Not just will come. They have come. <laughs> Amen. <clears throat> So I encourage you, as these times come, give God the praise. Give God the praise. Just give him the glory. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it and pray that you are blessed by God's word. For more information about Passion Church, visit www.mypassion.church.